following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to the two point conversation. Uh, I am your returning host from a little bit of a hiatus. I don't know for just for today, Mr. Backup Andrew Lenz. I've not been on in quite some time, but I will. I'm here with discussions and with with uh, every discussion topic episode is always the wizard of jaws yeah listen man we uh we had to call in qb3 right because <laughs> i think i'm the emergency of... <laughs> most qb3s are uh <laughs> this is so uh the Podfather's qb1 obviously he's had some some work uh some work things come up and uh i'm usually qb2 leading the charge doing the thing and the stuff and uh i have a busy night of recording ahead of me so i am on location as i haven't been in a few weeks uh in my car driving home from the world of fun awesome insurance claims so uh you're running the show and i am your guest i am your co-host yeah uh, qb2 in like we're running a little wildcat we'll call it. a little little 2009 miami dolphins wildcat where the QB is not under center and somebody else is running the show. Let's party. I'm ready. That I think this is more of like one of those situations where you're like, you're injured, but you still suit up and I still got to go out. Yeah. There. And I think that's yeah. how it is. I like that. Yeah. But as always, uh, actually, before we start, I want to give a big shout out to the Bobcats blue sixth grade football team for winning their league championship uh this past weekend big win for them yeah considering uh this was my first year my son played with them and considering as a fifth grade team they did not win a game and did not score a touchdown until the last game of the season and now they're champions as sixth graders so i wanted a growth mindset growth mindset they were in a rebuild rebuilding from <laughs> Fifth grade to sixth grade, we got it done. Championship caliber, lock it up. Let's go. See, that's all it is. So, a discussion topic number one is a week ten takeaways. Jaws, what are your takeaways from week ten? Oh man! First and foremost, I'm going to get this off, off out of the way. If you listen to the show, if you listen to me on here, if you listen to me on hats, stats, and stats. Uh, 
my home show where I'm the QB1. You know damn well I am a Bills fan. But I'll tell you what, I this whole Bills Mafia thing is really starting to piss me off. And Amen. here's why. Because this Bills Mafia thing came out when the Bills got good, right? Like, it started, like, as the team was ramping into what, like, this, this success-driven fandom. And, you know, now it's become such a thing where you call yourself part of Bill's Mafia and you think that you know everything about everything and nothing about everything else. And really, you don't know shit. And it bothers the fuck out of me. The amount of people after the losses the last two weeks that are calling for our coaches' heads, that are calling to, to, to bench Allen, uh, I'm sorry, we got one of the top five QBs in the NFL. He's having a rough patch. It happens. It's happened to the best of the best. Uh, nobody ever called for Tom Brady to get benched when he had a rough showing or two in a row. Nobody. Like, it's happened to Mahomes. It's happened to everybody. Uh, most teams would kill for a coach with the record that our coach has. Most teams would kill for a coach who could turn their garbage organization into a top-tier organization like ours has. Knock it off. Bill's Mafia on social media, I'm putting you on the suck list, and we don't even do that on this show, but I'm doing it. Knock it off. Fucking irritated. Also, it's okay to be mad that your team loses. It's okay to be mad that your team doesn't play up to snuff, but it shouldn't affect your mood for a week. I'm irritated the Bill's lost, but I'm still going about my day, still doing my thing. You know, knock it off. It's football. You know who's probably way more pissed off than you? The dude you're talking shit about on social media. Anyway, bottom line, Arizona sucks. But Arizona sucks because they just suck. But the Rams, I mean, this hangover, we talked about it. It's brutal. It's bad. It's not good. Uh, and you lost to Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy hasn't been relevant since the real McCoy, Shady McCoy, because uh, Colt McCoy was in college when Shady was in his prime. So, I don't know, man. Figure it out. At, at bare minimum, this Rams defense should be able to hold – Colt McCoy off the scoreboard. They didn't. They lost to Colt McCoy. And they looked bad in the process. So, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe it's time to start selling selling names for draft picks, except none of them are playing well enough to garner the draft picks you spent on them. So, or who wants uh, those is, contracts? Right. This is, this is the downfall of the sell the farm to win now. Listen, it worked. You got your Super Bowl. But aside from what Von Miller and OBJ, that team is pretty much the same, and it hasn't really been playing. And, and realistically, production-wise, Allen Robinson greater than OBJ the last three, four, the last three to four years. Now he's, uh, now he's now not. he's a joke. Yeah. yeah, he's irrelevant. It's brutal. It's bad. Um, so you sold the farm, and now there's nowhere for the cows to go. Nice job. So my week ten takeaways are. Kind of aligned with you when it comes to the Bills. I think it's a, I'm not even a Bills fan. And I'm to the point where I'm like, dude, relax. Everybody just relax. There's eight games left. All very, very winnable games. You lose back to back. And I did not hear anything about Josh Allen being benched. That's, I've read comments. Believe me, I like to I like to read comments. I feel like Emperor Emperor Palpatine reading the comments. <laughs> Build angry Bills fans going, yes, yes, good, yes. good. <laughs> Let the hatred flow. But 
I think you got to have the same energy when you win and the same energy when you lose. And I don't see that to kind of take in your point. My only other thing that I see with the bills is it's a very Joss Allen centric team. And it seems like they just, they, they get a ball going with running it. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. That's my biggest thing with that is I feel like Singletary came out like gangbusters last game. And then they were like, man, we're, we're good. We're just not going to do this anymore. Yeah, that was definitely frustrating. Um, and I put that, I know, like, I know he fumbled and yes, it, for all intent and purpose, I really do believe that that should have been overturned. Uh, that's one of the, the downfalls of the play it out and then fix it if you're wrong. And the problem is, like, in that instance, they played it out and then they're like, well, we can't see indisputable proof to overturn this, so it stands. Mm-hmm. It looked pretty indisputable to me, but um, apparently, like, I mean, and that's, that's their homer goggles, so I guess I can't take that one too far, but you know, they, they said it on they said it on the broadcast. They're like, listen, that's that's a rough one. Blah, blah, but it seemed like after that they were like, Nope, not running it anymore. Nope, yeah, not put I, that one away. And the they had what? Counting Gilliam as of counting Gilliam say as running back. They had six active running backs. You're telling me you can't switch something up and get something else going. That's my if I was a Bills fan. I don't think it's so much Josh. I think it's they lean too much on Josh. And when you lean too much onto somebody with anything in life, whether it's at work or anything or else, that person, it, I'm not saying he is, but it gets a little burnt out and you kind of know what's going to happen next. You know that you're always going to go to him. And then when they mess up, you're like, oh, well, you messed up. You're an idiot. But really, how much longer are you going to lean on him? without you know just giving them that running game help uh my other takeaways are i think mike mccarthy is showing signs of what he really is and that's not good for dallas in a way that mike mccartney is being mike mccartney once again so dallas fans get ready for that as well And also, the Cardinals, as you talked about before, they sucked. I didn't expect much with the Cliff Kingsbury hiring. I think that was one of the dumbest hirings I've ever seen. You hire a guy, and we're going to get into another guy as we go into this. You hired a guy that was fired from a head coaching job in college because he couldn't beat any of the good schools in his conference. He failed to recruit the quarterback that he is coaching now. When you did hire him as a coach, he was on his way to become an offensive coordinator for a failing school in USC. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I think this is the guy. So the Cardinal sucking, not a shock to me. Not a shock to me at all because coaching does play a part in the NFL. And I think every once in a while, there are teams where if the coaches get switched out and you bring in somebody else, 
that it'll be better. I think that's going to happen with the Chargers. I think this is honestly Brandon Staley's last year. It's almost got to be, right? It, it, that was that was another huge takeaway. And the reason why I say it and I don't want to I don't want to sound like a homer cuz I'm a cuz I'm a Dolphins fan, but you look at what Mike McDaniels and an offensive-minded head coach did for Tua. You look what Brian Dable is doing with Daniel Jones, who's having a pretty good year. And you have a generational talent, guy that is like the prototypical quarterback, strong arm, six foot six, mobile, can, you know, move, run, stay in the pocket, do all this stuff. And yet your team isn't winning. And you have, I know the weapons haven't stayed healthy, but your team isn't winning. When is it time to say this guy is horrible and he's just not what we need? I almost said San Diego in Los Angeles. And he just should, I think that he should just be fired. Even no matter if, unless they sneak into the playoffs, but most likely I would say get rid of him because I just don't see what I'm supposed to see from San Diego. And that's one of those things too. Like we can go back to the playoff game last year. Like you know, the the Raiders came out and were content. They were good. Like all right, man, mm-hmm. we we fought hard. Let's let's ride this let's ride this puppy out. It's over. And you came out and said, "Fuck that. We play to win. We're going." And you failed. And the Raiders turned around and said, "Okay, you're lost." The Raiders very blatantly showed you they were good to go to tie and just we're both going to make the playoffs. We'll settle it next week. And you went, no, we're going to settle it now. And it's like this this would be the equivalent of, I don't know, some six foot two, 180 pound high schooler slapping me in the face when I looked at when I look at him and say, like, hey, kid, you're pretty tough. We'll uh, we'll settle this. We'll settle this another time. Yeah. Slash me in the face goes, no, we're doing it now. All right, you dumb fuck. <laughs> that's, that's what that reminded me of. And now this season has just been an epic disappointment. That entire, the entire AFC West went to an arms race, right? Yeah. Tried to up, you know, just tried to update and upgrade everything you possibly could. And for the most part, the Chargers went offensively, we're solid. We're going to re-sign a couple people, keep the pieces in place because that's the side that's working. And we're going to, like we're going to bring in defensive help in a huge way and on paper may have been the most complete team in the division. Yeah. Until they started playing football and you went, what? <laughs> I just don't think, I don't think Justin Herbert's bad. I just think there's something more there that they're not unlocking is it's pretty much, I know they're five and four and it's like, Oh, they're not horrible. But are you really supposed to be five and four? Should you not I mean, be you, seven and three? Should you not be if, atop of that division or at least battling with the chiefs? If you're, if you're five and four, it better be the fact that the rest of the, like you've split, you've played four division games. You split two of them. And the other two came against other top tier squads. And you're sitting there going like, all right, so they got, they still got two division games left and they're ramping up to make a run. 
it really that's like that's what that's what Kansas City did last year. Yeah. You know they, you know they they, they traded blows into the, in the in division early. They sat at five and four at this point of the season, and then they went on a run, and it worked out well for them. The the Chargers aren't there, and they're not going to be there. It's got to be Staley's last year. It's got to be, and you got to be looking to bring in a big time offensive mind, and you got to think like a dude like. You got to think a dude like Dable would have been a very, very scary addition to that team. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I agree with that. I would honestly have loved to see like that change be made this year. But we're going to talk about a couple coaching carousel changes that like yes, you're you talk about some of the things that happen. I mean, you talk about what happened in Oakland and. You talk about what happened. You're, you know, I mean, we could talk about what's happening in Denver. We could talk about, you know, There's, a lot of different aspects of this. And I, I mean, you know what? Why don't we? Let's get to discussion topic number two. Discussion topic number two. I'm going to give you my take on this first. Uh, is Josh McDaniel should he get fired? Now, this is a very sticky type situation in a way. <laughs> If you really look at it from NFL being a business now, yes, Josh McDaniel, I would fire him or McDaniels, whatever the hell his name is, Mr. Bad coach. But financially, I don't think the Raiders can afford it because last time I checked, they still owed John Gruden $40 million trying to work out some type of settlement. So you're going to fire another head coach to replace you know you got to fire him hire another one and you're going to be paying three nfl head coaches the other thing with josh mcdaniel is that he should have never been hired i can't i can't remember what the guy's last name but rich it starts with a b Basakia. yeah this guy got you through the worst time the worst time of of that whole entire season got you into a playoff game you almost won the playoff game and then you fire them because you want this but once again not all offensive minds are great you want this guy who failed as a head coach with in denver and now you're going to bring him in to your system when you got a guy that the players already all love they rallied around and they completed that season with a playoff run. So this all could have been avoided if it wasn't for bad personnel decisions. Sometimes the great young air quote offensive mind is not the best in the world to hire when you don't look at the complete track record of everything. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, Basaki had this, like had this team believing. He had them playing at a level where they they didn't belong anywhere near where they finished aside from the fact that they were playing hard they were playing motivated and they believed that they could and that's the like, i'm sorry that's a sign of a great head coach having a team that believes in itself when no one else will comes from the top and we've seen teams do that over the years i mean we you know you go you go back to the to the bills team that you know that broke the drought I mean, mm-hmm. could they have won a game or two early and not had to rely on a, a miracle play from the Bengals to sneak in? Sure. 
But they got to that point, and they did everything they could do to get the chance to break the drought, and it ended up working out for them. But that was a team that didn't belong anywhere near the playoffs. Yeah. Why? Because they weren't very good. They got rid of every semblance of star power they had, stripped down to the bare bones, and just gave it a shot. Last year, the Raiders went through hell. Big time. Uh, they also put the world through hell a little bit. But they went through any as bad as it can get from an NFL team stand. The only way that that would have been worse is if they would have somehow been tied to Urban Meyer also. But, like, that is. which sidebar, imagine Urban Meyer in Vegas. Imagine, like, the pictures of him groping college co-eds in Vegas. That would I be, digress. That would, be, <laughs> that would be entertaining and horrible at the same time. Masaki went out and had this team playing inspired football to the point that we had a conversation on this show and probably on different, um, like, because every day we do something different, a different theme. Like, it probably got talked about across the board. I know it was talked about a bunch of times on discussion topics, but it probably got talked, talked about across the board on a couple different, like, versions of this show that he probably deserved a shot to, to do the, like, to take the team from Jump Street, put his ideals in, his playbook in, and do his thing. And what happened? The Raiders, because they're in Vegas, and it's big, and it's shiny, and it's glitzy, and it's, you know, you needed the shiny new toy with Josh McDaniels. Oh, he's a Belichick protege. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he is Bill Belichick. I don't give a shit. Nobody that's coached under Belichick has done anything good except for Brian Dable, who, as a head coach, is on a good run, but long-term success yet to be determined. So, like, why? Because it was a name? Because it was shiny? Because it was tied to Belichick? You're an asshole. And I... look, like, De- Devontae Adams came out this week and said, the team's not all on the same page. The team's not on board. The team, like, we as a team aren't, like, guys aren't buying in. So you went and got a shiny offensive toy in your head coach to try to work with your shiny offensive toy being a top five receiver in the NFL. And what happened? Your team shit the bed. I, I truly firmly and honestly believe if you, if you still make the Devonte Adams move, but you keep Asakia in place that this team is pushing toward the top of the division instead of barely scraping out to what they got two wins right now. Yeah. They're two and seven. Like, I believe they're pushing the top of the like, and they're at least making a play for where they we we thought they might be this year. Again, that was an arms race, and nobody really lost the arms race, except for now the Raiders have because they changed like because they put the wrong person at the head of the battalion. Great, awesome. You you need a guy who can motivate players. You don't need a guy who's a shiny toy from the Belichick coaching tree. I think the young, hot offensive genius thing is a fad, and I think it's something we're going to be bringing up a lot in these next couple of questions. Also, like you said, the coach going into topic number three with we're going to be talking about Jeff Saturday, whose Colts just beat Josh McDaniel, and his thing, and I think this might be a little bit of the way I won't say the way, but like you said, maybe not just so much a guy that he, he knows the X's and O's, but can motivate. 
I brought up John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is not an offense, not a defensive guy. He's a, he was a special teams coach, but yet he's always winning. And I think that's what you kind of got to look at and you hit the nail on the head, but going into a Jeff Saturday and those Colts, how did you feel they did? And how do you, do you think there's some long-term success that they may have with their no experience head coach? So here's my thing. Was it Bill Cower went off about this where he's like, this is insulting to all of us who've gone through coaching, like who've, who've put in the time to go through the ranks. Like you, you hired some, you know, some nobody, some nobody, somebody with no coaching experience and blah, blah. listen, man, what did they do? They looked and they said, we have an offensive coordinator that we believe can do the job. We're going to let him do the job. We hired him to do. We have a defensive coordinator that we believe can do the job. We're going to, we're going to let him do the job. We've hired him to do. We don't need the head coach calling plays on either side of the ball. What we do need is a guy who's going to get this team sorted out and going, you know, and, and, and doing what it needs to do. And who is Jeff Saturday? First off, Jeff Saturday is one of the, the arguably one of the best centers of the modern era. Yeah. Who did he play center for? Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Now, does, does playing center for Peyton Manning automatically mean you're great? No. But what playing center for Peyton Manning does is it forces you to be intellectual on his level for the game of football because the second most important person to the calling out of anything and everything happening on the field is your center. He's the guy that calls out blitzes. He's the guy that calls the, he makes the calls on the line. He's the quarterback of your offensive line. So he's got to be somewhere near that level in the conversation of, uh, you know, in the conversation of, you know, what he's able to do with just on the field of what he understands. And what else is he? He was a great locker room guy. He was a captain. He was a guy that could look and say, he can look at every single one of these guys and say, I'm not so far removed from this. Listen, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. I've been on that field. I've been in your position. He can motivate. He can get, get guys to do things. And to some extent, like Frank Reich, sure. Yeah, but you were a backup. You're known for one really, really, really big historic game. And otherwise, you were Jim Kelly's backup. Do I think everybody, every former player could fit this bill of, can plug into being a head coach? No. Do I think there are certain players who absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, could? Uh, you know, if you put the right offensive and defensive coordinators in place, I'll bet you Ray Lewis can get a football team to run through the wall for you. That is, I wouldn't doubt that. The other thing with Jeff Saturday is, is there's a, another guy at ESPN, Lewis Riddick. I kind of like him. He's been up for a lot of GM jobs, but I think this stigma is, is that he's, he does analysis. He's not an actual or hasn't worked as a GM in quite some time or in an NFL front office. Do you think with Jeff Saturday having success that this might become the new kind of NFL trend, like the young genius, young genius offensive head coach that they're going to be like, maybe these guys aren't that bad. Yeah. I would love to see it. I really would. I would love to see an influx of guys who step off the field as a player 
And within a few years, because like right now, what's what's the biggest move? What's the biggest move that guys make? They make the move from the field to the booth. And I got to listen to Michael Irvin mumble through color commentary where you can barely understand him because he's either laughing at himself before he speaks or his voice is so raspy and he he's just hard to understand. I would love to see that transition start being into the coaching, into, like into the coaching world, you know, into the booth, onto the side, like staying on the sideline. Like you're, you're going to tell me that a guy who knows the game from a, like an incredibly cerebral level, like Saturday, like, I don't know, again, Peyton, potentially even Eli, you know, and because you look at a lot of the guys who do well, they're guys who worked their ass off and uh, Sean McDermott, everybody, I know people are kind of crapping on him right now. I McDermott, McDermott was a player, right? Yeah. He played the game. And to be re- like to be relevant, because he wasn't some athletically gifted freak, what did he have to do? He had to be smart. He had to play the game intelligently. Mike Tomlin, the same way. And what do these guys do? They can get a team to run through a wall for them, and they understand, the, and they understand football. They understand the game. They're smart. And when you look at Buffalo, offensive coordinator calls the plays, defensive coordinator calls the plays. And then you have a guy in McDermott who's a defensive guy, a defensive mind, who when he, like, I mean, it has happened in the past when Frazier's struggling or, you know, something's going on that he doesn't like, he tells Frazier to shit or to sit the fuck down and he does it himself, which is awesome. Now, some of these players not having that coaching background from an offensive or defensive standpoint aren't going to be able to do that. But what does that do? that puts the pressure on your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator to know what they're doing, to have a game plan and to actually be good. Frank Reich got the job that he, that Jeff Saturday just replaced him in because of his quote unquote offensive prowess in Philly. And then it became fairly publicly known that he didn't actually call plays in Philly. That was Doug Peterson. So here's a dude who got a job based on somebody else's success because he, his name was on the offense. I would love to see it to be where your coordinators actually do what they're paid to do. And the coach manages the game and, and, and man, like, and manages the players. I think that would, <laughs> I would not mind that that much. I think that's what a head coach should be. Right. And, that, and that's that, what we're getting from Saturday is I would, I would love to see, and I know Matt would love to hear this. I would love to see the Colts turn around. I would love to see the Colts, all of a sudden, get a little hot, start playing a little bit more inspired football. You know, Matt, Matt Ryan going out, slinging the rock again with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know, hey, here's a dude who believes in me. Here's a dude I played against. Here's a dude I've, you know, been mm-hmm. on the field with and against in, in the past. And, you know, here's a dude who, who legitimately believes that I can get this job done still and play with a little bit of confidence. You know, play under a, a, an offensive coordinator who's actually running the show. And play for a dude who's going to, when he comes to the sideline, can talk to him through what he's seeing from that offensive standpoint, from being on the field with one of the greatest to ever do it. I love it. And I want this to work. I want this to work so bad because I want to start seeing more guys. And I, as a coach, all right, I coach and I've coached for 16 years. One of the biggest things that I fight against is getting people to believe in me over someone who played the game to a higher level than me. Yeah. Part of that is, you played the game to a higher level. You received better coaching. There is, a, there is that certain thing that, that doesn't translate to being a good coach all the time. There are certain traits you have to look for. I don't think when he got off the field 
in his prime that Deion Sanders would have made a great coach. He's grown up. He's matured. He was one of the greatest players to ever play his position. Uh, you know, and you can debate whatever you want on that. But now he's going out and, and he's doing great things for an HBCU. And he's getting calls from power schools. It's not going to be too long before the NFL starts calling Deion Sanders to come, to come coach. Well, it's a, it's a very cerebral, like you said, it's a very cerebral thing. And head co- you're called the head coach. You're not called the head play caller. You're not called the head offensive coordinator. You're not called the head defensive coordinator. And as a Dolphins fan, I have that right now. I have a head coach that runs the offense, and it scares me. I'm not going to, I'm going to enjoy the ride now, but it does scare me. I'd rather have a guy that's not so much offensive, not so much defensive, but a guy that just runs the team and puts trust into a coaching staff. Now, Jeff Saturday didn't pick this coaching staff per se, but puts trust into the coaching staff saying, I hired you to do this job. And you're gonna you're gonna do this. I I can help you. I can give you input, but I can't do it for you. I need to watch the team. I'm the head coach, and I think if this works out, this is gonna be one great kind of a trend that I think may start. Like I said, with analysts and guys, not just being so offensive sided or defensive sided i know you can say okay well that's that's how you get these guys but there is great special teams coordinators out there that maybe just waiting for a spot to go in there i know joe judge didn't work out in new york but once again he's a belichick guy not the best belichick guy ever so far is who brian flores romeo cornell other than Eric Mangini, maybe those, those you could argue who who out of those three are the actual best. But to yeah. see to see a guy just run a team, not just concentrate on one side of the ball, but run a team, and it's going to. I think this is where we're going to segue into our next one. Is you kind of touched on it before? Is the downfall of the Rams, and I think this is where we're seeing the downfall of the Rams. Cause I remember watching Sean McVay where he doesn't even watch the defensive side of the football. He goes off to the side and works with the offense. and doesn't do anything that way. And I think that might be a little bit of a problem with the Rams. And also as you alluded to of selling the farm. So the, but this Rams downfall is absolutely horrible. It it showed you that everybody was like, let's sell everything to get something. Once again, my team's kind of in that mold. Uh, <laughs> so it does scare me, but once again, I'm just enjoying the ride. Is It will work, but it will only work for so long. You, I feel you need draft picks to refresh the roster. Not just for new talent, but to get where you're not paying these guys absorbing amount of money and just trying to make an NBA super team, having three really, really good, like great defensive players 
paying them a bunch of money. You know, that works in the NBA when you got three really great players and you're going to pay them a bunch of money. In the NFL, this is 11 on 11. You could ha- you can't just have three really great guys. You got to have a team. And I think they don't build a team. They're just looking to get superstars at certain positions and then plug holes with whatever they could find. Me, you, anybody off the street, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's that is that scary part, right? I mean, and the Rams so far, like, well, you know, if if it works, it was worth it, right? Well, they got mm-hmm. the ring, it worked. The question is, uh, so the conversation essentially stops there, right? The conversation is essentially done. When you say, well, they got their ring, they're done, they're good, so it worked. But how many other teams have tried to sell the farm to go get players, to go get things, to sign people, and it hasn't worked? I mean, you you can look at some of the trades that have been made for these these superstars. You know, if the if the haul that the 49ers just spent to go get Christian McCaffrey doesn't work, it, was it worth it? I think that's their whole draft this year. That's a Ricky Williams deal in a way. You gave up a whole draft for Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. Right. And now I I said it on this show, uh, you know, when Trey Lance went down for the season and Jimmy G, you know, luckily you still had him and you know he can can get you to a certain point. Now you got to go get everything you can to sell the farm to make it work because it's your last shot with him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. they went and they did that for sure. The big question then becomes, uh, if it doesn't work, you don't have a draft. Jimmy G's probably done because why are you going to pay him? Because he just proved again he can't get you to the promised land. And now you're hoping, you're, you're hoping Trey Lance works out and you're not going to be able to take anything in the draft to try to replace him or help him further. Nope. You have a great running game. You have a great running back. You have an unproven, now going to be third-year quarterback next year. You have Debo Samuel, who you just paid a whole lot of money, and Brandon Ayuk, who's starting to look like the receiver we all thought he could be. And one of the best tight ends, a top three tight end in the league. Yeah. And a a good defense that, again, is going to garner some paychecks coming up pretty soon. But they Uh, got a lot lot of guys, I feel, with the 49ers, (laughs) even though we're talking about the Rams. They got a lot of guys that, don't always stay that healthy. Like George Kittle's had a lot of injury problems. Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy G. Yeah. It's uh, which they got. They have Nick Bosa's had a couple of injury issues, so that's yeah. that's their biggest thing. And then the the Rams is. I just don't understand. Like I, I understood the Stafford trade. But I was like, it, it seems kind of dumb to me at the same point to give up that much for Matthew Stafford. And I, like you said, you, you won a Super Bowl. Cool, he did it. Now he's in Little Caesar commercials. Awesome. But couldn't you use that pick this year considering that you're pretty much going to probably give the Lions two top ten or give the Lions a top ten pick? And, and, you know, you're, 
and here's the thing. So we were talking about the Niners with it, stemming off a conversation about the Rams. We're potentially a season away from both of those teams being bottom feeders again. Yeah. Because if Trey Lance doesn't work out and Stafford decides to retire, because let's be honest, he can. He's been in the league for how long? He's got to be getting close. He's getting banged up again. Oh, he, you know, his, his his elbow was his elbow was hurt this year, and it never quite looked the same. His, um, you know, now he's in concussion protocol. At some point, this dude's going to be like, ah, my body doesn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So, if if Stafford retires, and Aaron Donald was already considering retirement, you're not going to tell me that he's going to stick around for this. Right, he's not going to stick around and, and 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 stick out this type of play and this type of team. So now all of a sudden you lose him. If it, you might lose him, you know you made some other splash moves. You know, uh, so now you have Cooper Cup and not much. And they don't uh, do anything with Robinson. It, it, he's, I not, just, he's irrelevant. I, I he's just irrelevant. feel like you have this guy. And for years, like you said, Allen Robinson was probably better than OBJ. And then he gets, he goes from the Jaguars to the Bears. And then you're like, oh, he's finally going to be on the Rams. This is going to be great. And he does nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. There. I mean, you're, you're on the verge of an epic collapse and with no way to rebuild because you're, you're up against the cap every single season. Mm hmm. The guys who aren't getting banged up and you're paying a lot of money to aren't going to go anywhere because no one's going to want their contract. They're not going to want to restructure. They're going to want to get paid. And you don't have draft picks coming up to, to replace them. This is going to get ugly quick. And again, you, you could turn around and say, and I've, I've even heard some of my friends who are, I respect at their fandom in the bills say, listen, Josh Allen wins me one. Before, like, you know, people are like, oh, he's got to stop running. He's got to stop running. He's got to, he's going to, you know, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. Listen, if this dude wins me one and the following year has a catastrophic injury that ends his career or shortens his career, he will have still won me one. He did his job. He did what I needed him to do. So there are, I'm sure there are Rams fans out there that feel the same way. There are Rams fans out there that are, listen, we sold the farm. We won the Super Bowl. It was worth every second of it. In 10 years, when you haven't even come close to going back, if that's what happens here, we'll see if they still feel the same way. Yeah. I it's. I think it comes down to one of those things where do you want to be the Steelers? I know they're not that great this year, where you're at least mediocre at best, or do you want to be really great for a couple of years and then go back into that just cellar-dwelling, just – a horrible spot because you don't have money to spend because of these players retiring like Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's do 26, his cap hit, sorry, is $26 million next year. Yeah. That's nuts. And he is going to be making tons of money. Yeah. I, so, like, that's, that's I, I think this is the argument that we had before. I think this is the argument. It sounds exactly the same as what we argue about all the time with the 2020 Dolphins. Should they have stuck with Fitz and got to the playoffs and then just lost? <laughs> or 
did what they did and just not make the playoffs and see where they could build from there. Right. So I think that's, that's your thing is do you just want to push all your chips to the center, grab that one and hold on to it tight. Or do you want to play it a little bit more safe and maybe just throw in a couple of chips at a time? Well, you know, and that comes down to, you know, at the end of the day, only only a certain handful of teams have ever won a Super Bowl. I mean, there's been, what, 50-something of them, but only, like, what, 20 teams total have won Super Bowls? I'm going to, yeah. Like, no, so. Probably more. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, you're right, probably 20. I mean, like you said, that's the best guess. Could be more, could be less. But I'm going to say 20. Not every team. Not every team has won a Super Bowl. You did something that there are teams in the league, my team being one of them, has never done. So, you know, to some extent, was it worth it? Yeah. It was. But, again, are you, like, are you going to be, are you going to be remembered for that one year that you sold the farm, won it all? Or are you going to be remembered for the next seven years mm-hmm. that followed that was such an epic collapse you never got close again? That's really that's really the question we're talking about because you know we're I mean Tampa Bay Bucks yeah I mean that I could think of the Ravens you know it's it's that boomer bust mentality and again are are the Patriots going to be remembered for the end of like seemingly what's going to be the end of Bill Belichick's career here where you know the post Tom Brady era where they're not that great but Belichick still has him playing tight. And if Belichick walked away this year, no one's going to remember the last three or four years. Mm-mm. They're going to remember this, like the 20 year run. They went on. I'd rather go on the 20 year run, but you got to win one first. Nice. I, but I, I am not a fan of selling the farm to win one. Cause there is no 20 year run. If you sell the farm to win one. That is true. Like I just wouldn't, when was the, I think Aaron Donald was their last number one overall pick that they actually got? I think so, yeah. That's so. And he's talking about retiring. That's so bad. Yeah, he I, he debated retiring last year. And then and like they and they even said to him, they said something to the effect that with him about, um, like uh, talking to him about retirement and stuff. And he's like, you know, listen, I got plans. Like, I got, I want to, I want to see my kids grow up. I, like, there's things I want to do. And then I talked like he he penned his retirement letter. He gave it to McVeigh, and McVeigh said, "Come talk to me first. And McVeigh talked him out of retiring. You don't like you don't think after this year he's going. I don't know, man. I still got that letter in my locker. Yeah, I I would turn that in. And Cooper okay. Cup has a high ankle sprain. Yeah, it's it's, it's- ugly, man. It's. It has gotten ugly on both sides of LA. Got all that talent there. Maybe they could just become one giant super team like the Rams always wanted. Right. <laughs> Rams are into that. Yeah. Yeah. Put 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 Herbert on the field. So there's your quarterback. Uh, let Cooper Cup play with Williams and who is the other receiver in? Oh, yep. Keenan Allen. But he's always there. You go now too. Yeah, but then maybe maybe that makes uh, Allen Robinson relevant again. Um, There's got to be a t- one one. Or Higby's not a bad tight end. There you go. No. You can probably put together some semblance of an offensive line between the two teams. Uh, 
you still don't have a running game. Do you think that hurt him too? Was when I know he had to, at some point the guy had to retire, but the Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth just saying, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm retiring. And he's like 40 something years old playing offensive line. And I think that might've led to something. Cause now you lost, you lost your best offensive lineman. And then yeah, you, and you, lose... you lost the leader of your offensive yes. line. What like, uh, again, a top end talent, even at 40 something years old. Absolutely. That mattered. But again, how are you going to replace them? You don't have any fucking draft picks. And it doesn't seem like they have anybody. Like they can't find anybody in the later rounds either to go. Like I said, it just seems like they just plug in with guys off the street. And that that's, that's just the MO man. That's what they do because that's all they can do. When you, when you sell the farm on your draft picks, why do you even pay re- like like recruiters? Why do you even pay scouts for what to scout other NFL teams to say, hey, you might want to pick this guy up if he clears, like, if, he, if he gets sent to waivers? Like, I don't know, man. If I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm putting a team together with the scraps off other squads. I just don't think it works very well. That's a that's a cushy job. Now that I think about it, I think I might want to give up my dream job as a as a bench coach for a major league team and just say I want to be a scout for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, because like you, know, you don't have anything to do. Like it's who are you scouting? I don't know, man. I think we got a seventh round pick next year. <laughs> I'm going to Ball State who's, versus Apple Appalachian State. Okay, you know, what you can find I, there. If I'm that guy, if I'm the head of scouting for the Rams, I am going to every top tier D three I can find, and finding the diamond in the rough that went to some D three state school that's going to rip someone's head off because it's D three. And I'm going to be like seventh round pick 597th overall from who gives a shit state. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy McCracken. I don't know. (laughs) I'm finding that dude. And then I'm gonna look like a genius when he pans out. It's not worth scouting anybody else. It's not worth going to these power schools to find some depth dude that you're going to take in the seventh round. Like go, go find some diamond in the rough D three, dude, go find me Fred Jackson. That is true. They could use the running back too. No shit. That's where you find them. Seventh round. Fucking send it. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's, what's topic number five. I'm tired of talking about the shithole ramps. Uh, t- okay. Well, we're going from talking about shithole teams to who is your best team in the AFC and who is your best team in the NFC right now? Okay. I like this one because there's a very, very open debate on one side, and I don't think the debate's all that open on the other side. Um, I, they're not playing like it right now. I am still remiss to, to remove the Bills from the top AFC team because I'm looking at a team that's playing other top teams down five starters on defense, mm-hmm. you know, have like rolling through a banged up offensive line for a few weeks, you know, not really like kind of, I mean, their, their quarterback got banged up. Their receiving core has been in and out, hit and miss. Oh yeah. Can the we, amount of in- I got to ask you that too. Yeah. Last time I was on this, you made a comment that you don't, that you didn't, you know, you weren't sure if Jalen Waddle 
was better than Gabe Davis. Has that changed? Yes, absolutely. This year it has, without okay. question. All right. I just had to get uh, one on you. I got to get one. <laughs> no, you're you're good. And listen, I'll I'll eat that all day because I'm I'm very disappointed with Gabe Davis. I mean the the the, the big splash games for a hundred two hundred yards and two scores, three hundred thirty yards and four scores, like those are great. Those are awesome. And when you know when you need them and they're they're a big deal, they're great. But when I need you to make a catch that hits you in the fucking hands as time's expiring, I need you to make that catch, buddy. Um, Do you, you want know, Odell on that team too? Uh, unknown. I. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm remiss not to mention the Bills at that top tier right now, and we'll we'll get to some of the. Uh, we'll get to the shortcomings right now. Like I said, the fact that they can't stay healthy is a problem. Mm-hmm. I've spent the last two weeks without one of my two starting linebackers. I've spent one of the two. Um, you know, I spent half the games this year without at, without at least one, if not both of my starting all pro safeties. Um, you know, I'm down to, I'm, I'm starting rookie and second year corners all over the place. One of them's a, like a sixth round draft pick and he's doing pretty well. Uh, all things considered, you know, I'm, I'm starting a practice squad safety in Cam Lewis last week because I'm so banged up in my secondary and he didn't do terrible. He did pretty well in run support for the most part. He, I, the, he wasn't awful. He made a, you know, a boneheaded mistake. But again, he's he. I'm pretty sure he was an undrafted rookie. Like, he's gonna make mistakes. When this team is healthy, when I have Trey White on the field, when I've got both my linebackers, when I got Poyer back, when I've got my entire defensive line, that's a scary defense because they're doing pretty damn well being this shorthanded. And the, that offense is going to sort itself out. I, I have trouble not putting them there. Their recent track record is going to be why I'm not. Like, I'm not going to be the homer. I'm not going to do that. That being said, I don't know who's at the top of that list. Um, I think the Chiefs are making a play for it. The Bills are in play for it. The Dolphins are in play for it. Let's not say that. Um, what's that? Let's not say that. Well, but he, but he, but here's my thing. The Chiefs lost to the Frank Reich-led Colts. True. The Dolphins have been in dogfights with presumably bottom-tier teams for the last few weeks mm-hmm. until this past week when they lumped up the Browns finally. Just horrible defense. Just And, and it's, you know, and, and horrible defense, but, I mean, there there's a game in there they won 16-10. to 10. Yeah. I, you know, against the Steelers who are, are not a good I don't. Team. I I would not put for me for in the AFC it's it's still a two team race. If I'm going to be 100% about it, it's exactly what you said. It's flip a coin. I know the Bills have lost two straight games, but it's still eight games left in the season and the overall body of work unless we're getting to what are they week 18 now? And they lost four in a row, <laughs> like they lost all eight in a row. Then I'll, then I'll say I was wrong. But as a football fan and watching it, it's still the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have the rough spot. The Bills have, have are having a rough spot. And it's at the end of the day, I still believe those are the two best teams in the AFC. And most of the time, 
it's flip a coin to see who's who is the best. Or maybe yep. you got a little bit more on the other one or a little bit more on this. But overall, those are the two best teams. The Bills probably have the the Bills have the better roster, I would have to say. One healthy because of their defense. The Chiefs are probably a, a little bit, I would say, more explosive on offense than what the Bills are. Because Juju has, even though he just ran another concussion guy, Juju has played pretty good this year. Travis Kelsey, I don't even know how he's still getting open. That's just great game planning and uh, you know scheming by Andy Reid. The offense is still there for Kansas City. And if the Bills actually developed, the well, not even developed, just stuck with it, I think they would actually be a scary offensively the the chiefs have a slight edge for me now just because of the two losses by the bills but other than that they're really two joe frazier muhammad ali guys that are just going to slug it out in the end yeah and you know as far as uh, the biggest difference for me with these two teams right now is experience like his experience calling plays. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid is a proven mm-hmm. offensive mastermind. He's led two teams to Super Bowls. He has put up insane offensive numbers with two different franchises built completely differently. Yeah. And the dude just knows what he's doing. He knows how to scheme. He knows how to set up plays. Dorsey, it's his first year doing it. And up until the like the past game and a half, I haven't had a gripe with him and how he's been doing things. I don't like our red zone design of late. You know, I feel like we run a lot of plays where people end up in the same spot. And I don't know if that's like a communication problem where, you know, two guys are running the same route when one of them shouldn't be running that route or what it is. But uh, I don't like what we're doing in the red zone. And I don't like, like we talked about, abandoning the run. We had two, two rushing touchdowns. Running the ball really well. You know, Devin Singletary, I will tell you till I'm blue in the face. I would love to see the Bills find a way to hang on to Singletary on the cheap because, A, he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. He's not really injury prone, and he's a solid running back. For a team that doesn't commit to running the football, he does really well. I think a, a, a fun one, two, three punch of him, Cook, and Hines would be great, especially if you start using Hines more in different gadget roles. Uh, I would love that. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, but I would love it because I believe that Devin Singletary is a good running back. I don't However, see. but isn't that what you want? Exactly. Why, uh, why would you pay a running back all that money? Look at Dallas. Right. Ezekiel Elliott's not even the best running back on their team, but yet he's the highest paid. Right. Just find a running back committee by committee and find good just solid running back and he showed it last game other than like you said that fumble that probably could have been overturned he's showed it he can run and then all of a sudden they're like nah let josh run right and like i said that's so like that that's my biggest difference between those two teams is just the mm-hmm. offense like the, the experience and an nfl offensive play call yeah. i mean so think think about in your opinion how scary 
the Bills' offense would be if Andy Reid was calling plays. Oh, it'd be very scary. I think we wouldn't. We we wouldn't even have this conversation. No, I think it would be a whole different team of just on everything. I I think right now with what they have, it's one of the is the weird thing. Like with you said, first year offensive coordinator, and he and he called plays wonderfully, but. This is a league that will adjust, and I think he'll adjust. He, Like we said before, Ken Dorsey, when it comes to coaches, Ken Dorsey's not a dumb guy. No. He played for probably the best college football team ever, and you could say, yeah, well, those guys carried him, but he never seemed like he made dumb plays at all. No, and he, it, it's one of those things for me that he will grow. He will develop. He will. He, you know, he'll learn from mistakes. You know, he's a fiery, passionate guy. We saw it after the Dolphins game when he freaked yeah. out in the booth. Like you, like he's got that fire. He's got that passion, and that's half the battle, man. Like when you hate losing more than you love winning, you're going to grow. You're going to find out. You're going to find ways not to lose instead of finding ways to win. And that's that's the big difference, I think, in a lot of these guys. Andy Reid has it. Uh, you know. It's one of the biggest things for Belichick and his team. They find ways not to lose football games. And that's the thing that that's going to be the next step of development for Dorsey. And the bills are going to be fine. They're going to, it's, it's going to be fine. They're going to shake it off. And when I have, I love the Von Miller candid commentary that we're getting all year I, where he's made, you know, making comments about OBJ, making comments about this. They like, how do you feel about this team? And like, do I think he's a consummate professional? And he would never talk ill of his team. Absolutely. Do I think he's going to flat out lie? No, this week. Oh, what do you think about, you know, the, the rumors and stuff out there that, uh, you know, it, it seems that teams in the NFL have, have figured the bills out, especially, you know, as far as like scheme and, you know, what you guys are doing. And he smirked and goes, I hope to God the NFL thinks they got us figured out. That's like, what I, I was thinking too when I saw that. I was like, I don't think they're figured out. No, this is like, we, we had to shoot ourselves in the foot so many times to lose that game. And I, I, I wrote an article about it for Hats you know, a few weeks back about, you know, people are, are big dicking on this, you know, two and eight and one score game thing. And you look through and break those games down. That's an easy stat to cherry pick mm-hmm. because it's from like the last two and a half years. But the two and a half years prior to that, we were like eight and one in one score game. So don't tell me we don't know how to do it. We do. Look at the games that they're talking about. They're acts of God. Josh slipping on wet turf. That's not a that's not a we're a bad football team thing. That's a freak thing that happens in nature. You know, we're we're talking about you know the the Miami Heat index being forty degree difference on two sidelines. I got guys who live in Miami double IVing at halftime because it's so fucking hot, and the team on the other side is not even sweating. That's an act of God to me. The the, the hurricane wins in advantage. Buffalo last year. That's right. a home field advantage. That's why I was laughing at Bills fans when they were like, oh, they should do something about that heat and everything else. So what's the difference when we go to Buffalo and where we play it in January and it's 20 degrees outside with 40 mile per hour swirling winds inside of the stadium? It's it's a home field advantage. We cannot control the weather. I don't want to see every NFL team go into a dome. Do you? I don't. Listen, I don't either. However, uh, and we're going to get back on track here because we're off yeah. track and probably well over time, like me and you always are. Um, <laughs> the, the difference is, and I, I like, I am not going to sit there and complain. I'm not going to sit there and be like, this is bullshit. They should all be in a dome. My problem is 
with the it's solely with the argument of you know it's home field advantage what's the difference when we play in buffalo in 20 degree weather the difference would be if this would be a similar situation if the bills stadium was somehow built to get the residual heat off the 200 level onto the bill sideline and the bill sideline be covered and there's no snow and there's no wind and then the Dolphins are sitting on the other side, or whoever's sitting on the other side, and they have 40-mile-an-hour winds. It's 20 to 30 degrees colder on their sideline, and the snow and rain is in their face the entire game where the bills are dry and warm the whole time. That would be the difference. When they're in Buffalo in January, both teams deal with those elements. When they're in Miami in September, only one sideline gets blasted in the face with the sun the whole day, and it was designed that way on purpose to the point that there's a 20 to 40-degree difference on the sidelines with no way to get out of it because of the rules the bills like the away team can only use the same stuff that the home team's using the home team doesn't need shade so the bill so the away team can't use anything other than two two person tarps to cover and to get out of the sun that's the difference is it did it make a difference it absolutely did is it a home field advantage 100 is there a rule against it absolutely not so they're 100 within the rules and within their rights to have their stadium built like that and for that to affect an outcome of a game. Do I think that type of discrepancy should be addressed in some way? I do. Do I think it's going to be? No, I don't. Uh, but again, that, that type of ungodly heat and being in the direct sunlight with that big of a temperature discrepancy, we lost a one-score game. Okay. You play, in my opinion, you play that game at night. Same day, play it at night, Bills win. I think the, the one-score game that bothers me that we lost is the Jets game. The one-score game that we lost against the Vikings, that one bothers me too because we lost those games. You look at the, like the, the Bill Belichick one-score game on Monday Night Football, hurricane force wins, and we had the game one. My number one receiver didn't, you know, didn't make a play on a ball that he should have caught going into the end zone. But it took like, – as soon as you take those wins out of the equation, you saw what the Bills did to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. That's I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm just not. It's fine. It's going to be fine. On the other side of the league, yeah. To get off NFC. to get off my bills and you know, um, listen. The Vikings are a solid team. They're good. They are. They're playing inspired football. But when you're sitting there talking about how many wins they have because of luck on national TV, like they were this weekend you're not a great football team when the impro- like because eventually improbability catches up with you. So you're not going to get like Justin Jefferson coming down with that ball. That was a great play by a great player. But after getting stuffed on the goal line, the other team fumbling a snap in their own end zone to give you the lead is not going to happen every time. The, the, the weird, obscure, strange, always, you know, finding improbable ways to win football games, they're not going to be – it's not a regular thing. You can't win a lot of football games that way. You can't win a Super Bowl on luck and improbability. So, that being said, the NFC, in my opinion, despite the tough loss this week, is still a one-horse team, and it's the Eagles. That team is good. That play, team plays good defense. That team plays explosive offense. They got beat in a divisional game on primetime. It happens. It's a tough league. It's a tough league, and divisional games are always tough because you build your team to win your division. Don't you need one, though? 
Don't you need one? Don't you feel like you kind of need one every once in a while just to put yourself back on track? I think if they would have lost to Houston or to the Cardinals, you know, those were kind of close games. But those games, if they would have lost to them, I think I would have I would have hit the panic button. But to lose to the Commanders is, like you said, it's a divisional game. It's it's going to happen. So just get the one out of the way. Yeah. I I firmly and honestly believe we will never see another undefeated football team in the NFL. And that that being said, I can't I can't wait for the last member of that Dolphins team to die. Because that is the dumbest celebration on the planet, in my opinion. No, stop. Listen, I, I put a thing in the two point thing, thanking, thanking Washington because the seventy two Dolphins. I understand that, but listen, are still how perfect. Many, how many games did they win, including the Super Bowl? They went seventeen and zero. Right. So now a team goes seventeen and zero, which has happened, and then they have to play the playoffs. So it, to me, it's a it's a dumb celebration. I have to win as many games to go perfect in the regular season as you did throughout your entire season, including the championship. Yeah, but can you do it, it with two different quarterbacks? It Dolphins doesn't matter. Go with two different quarterbacks, and that's can fine. Can you go and through that great. adversity to it, to be perfect? It that's all. That's fine. That's all great, and I'm and happy for them that they did it. Have but crappy to me, to rules where you celebrate. Where you to can't celebrate even... the last team losing to no longer be undefeated, in my opinion, is a dumb celebration when they have to play as many games as you did to win the championship in just the regular season. The, the standards are not the same. So to celebrate it. I think it was just... harder for what they did than for what the the Eagles did. I think it's harder because the rules were harder. Where you're comparing two different eras, where the rules were 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 a little bit harder for them to accomplish what they did, and you did it with two different quarterbacks, and also yeah, but- the playoff rules were different too. Because even though I believe the Dolphins had a better record than the Steelers, they still had to play the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh that year. So you there there's some there's some different things that it it's hard to compare eras. It's very, very, very hard to compare eras. I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I will I will die on the hill that it's harder to win twenty games than it is to win seventeen. Patriots almost did it. Almost. But they didn't. So that's right. why the because, Dolphins are great they, at 17 to 0. And there's no bye weeks. Dolphins did not have any bye weeks. And again, that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And again, I'm not taking away the accomplishment. But there is a team that went 17 and 0 and then went 19 and 0. And you celebrate it as the only perfect Super Bowl champions in NFL history. Because they lost the last game, they lost the Super Bowl three games after your season would have been done. Hey. Uh, that that it's it's not the same. And to celebrate and listen, it would be one thing 
if the group of them got together, had a drink, smoked a cigar, but to public, like it's publicized. It's so, it's such an in your face thing. Like every time the last undefeated team loses, come on, you are Mr. You are Mr. In your face. Yes, I am. And And you're not just like taking it in. Like, like just saying "Mm, that, that is cool. I'm going to put aside that. I think it's because it's the dolphins. I think it's because it's the dolphins. It's, honestly, it's not. It's really, truly not. And like, I, I legitimately, as I, as much as I am, Mister in your face, as much as I am, Mister bravado, Mister, you know, pound his chest and scream to the heavens. Like this to me, this to me would be like somebody. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a good equivalency here. This would be like somebody went I don't know 100 110 wrestling matches undefeated won the championship and then Goldberg went 180 lost a match before he won a title and then you're like, "Well, I better I was undefeated when I won my championship and you're not." Like that's dumb. Like there you go, Goldberg 181 and 0 won a championship before he lost. Before he lost, nobody on the planet is going to tell you that he was any better than other people. Again, it's apples and oranges. I know I'm off. Yeah, I'm off that's, topic here. We're, we're that's about... You 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 understand what I'm like? What I'm getting at there? Like to say you like to celebrate something that is like that you did when that was the extent of what you could do. Fantastic, but to look at a team who has like they could again. Go seventeen and zero, and lose the first playoff game. They were seventeen and zero too. Well, but we won a championship. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have to win three more games than you did to win my championship. So, uh, potentially four, depending if if two teams go undefeated. You... If, if if two teams go seventeen and zero in the regular season, one of them has to play four games to win the uh, to win the Super Bowl, and they may not do it. That's but like... both of those teams, like you, like both of those teams, either one of those teams lose or both of those teams lose with a better with, with more wins in that instance. And they celebrate like they're King shit. It just doesn't make sense to me. You're, you're celebrating the fact that you didn't have to play three to four games yeah, because they didn't. It was what they had to play. And, and again, which is, which it doesn't diminish the accomplishment, but to but, celebrate outwardly, like it's the same to me is, is just it's not and that i i hate the out like listen celebrate i hate seeing it like somehow some way there's a video clip of the celebration every year it yeah, makes it not? out of sports center it's because it's dumb it's not the same you're like you're celebrating <laughs> you're comp- something this that- is like you complaining about your grandparents being able to buy a house for six thousand dollars and now you have to pay like 300 grand for a house that's no, no. what this so, is. You're, you're, you're I, no, I just no, feel you're like actually, you're, you're comparing. You, you have that eras, and you have it's not you have the Dolphins' fault. It's not the '72 Dolphins' fault that they only had to play a 14-game season, but they also but, had but to play no buy. They had, they had no buys. They had to go through thing, two Andrew. different quarterbacks. They that is, also that is a great comparison. That is a great comparison. Okay, yeah, you're right. If you if you like flip it, play, this but, this what 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 this is 
is this would be somebody's grandparents celebrating that they bought a three bedroom, two bathroom, two story colonial for 10 grand back in 72. And I put a bid in for one for $180,000 and didn't get the house. They'd be like, woo, we're still more thrifty than you. We spent less money on our house. We're great. Like, no, shut the fuck up. It's not the same. That's my point. Thank you for proving it to for me. It, no, you're celebrating. It, it's, you're celebrating the fact that you accomplished something that was mathematically easier to accomplish how in '72 than it is. Do you really think it was mathematically easier to accomplish? Yes, I do. Looking at the speaking, rules of the time, the way that the league speaking, was, and everything else. Statistically speaking, the more games you play, the better chance you have to lose one of them. Okay, but Regard, regardless of the rules, rules are regardless totally of anything different. else. But they, they're not playing as the same rules. Okay. There's not even... So, so, so you're, so you're, you're telling me... You're comparing two different eras once again. The, the, you're, so you're telling me the fact... That's that like me going, Kirk Cousins is a way better quarterback than Roger Stallback. Okay, so that's you're that's telling me, that's what we're saying here is like you're comparing. You're, so, well, hold on, hold on. That's so I, I today want your, I want your, to I want your opinion on this. I want your opinion on this. Are you telling me that the NFL rules of 1972 made the NFL three wins harder than three to four wins harder than it is in present day? Yes, because so you could is, literally clothesline a man to the ground. In today's okay, so, NFL, that guy would have been kicked out of the game, fined, and everything else. In this NFL, it was different. It was you could literally kill somebody, and they'd be like, oh, okay, that's that's wonderful. It's not like today's NFL where you breathe on a quarterback or there's a little bit of contact with a wide receiver. It's a penalty. You could literally tackle a wide receiver at the line and they'd be like, yep, that's just how the game's played, man. And so it is constantly, you're constantly pounding the ball up against a defense that is can do whatever they want to you. Think about it in that terms of a defense right. just being able to do whatever they want. But, but you're acting like other defenses couldn't do that too. They could. Like yeah. you, you play by the rules and, you're given, but again, the more games you play, the more mathematically, the more likely it is to lose one of them. So you're going to punish them. Again, I, I'm not saying punish them. I'm saying celebrating outwardly that a team is no longer undefeated and cannot match your accomplishment to me is kind of dumb and shouldn't be a thing that gets national TV attention every year when it happens. Because again, a team matched your accomplishment. Another team went 17 and 0. But so you're not the, the only 17 and 0 football team in existence. You're not the, the Patriots but, did it. But were they perfect? Was it perfect? I think that, I think you're missing the point of perfect, like being just 100% perfect. And the dolphins had to play one extra playoff game as well so there there's no days off the patriots had a bye the patriots had a bye week going into the playoffs the patriots had a bye week during the week 
The Dolphins didn't. The game was rougher. The game was harder. And that is why they loosen up the rules today so they can push more things to it. And plus, too, I think it's because football has become a national, more of a national sport than what it was back in 1972, where the Super Bowl was just another Sunday. And I think that's so I think you shouldn't get mad at the players celebrating. I think you should be more mad. And it sounds like you're more mad at the national media for making a big deal about it, which is what I said. Yeah, I know. But you're saying like, (laughs) but you're saying like the players, like they can't post something. Again, the players like I, 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 I don't believe like, Shula got an Instagram that he's posting this shit on. Like, no, they like there is coverage of that of that group of people every game. When, like, it's, like it's almost as if they get as soon as there's one undefeated team left, that group gets together and watches like watches that game. So if they lose, they can celebrate and it gets covered. Like, I'm sorry, like I got shit to do, man. Like I don't watch football with the same people every week. Like, but these motherfuckers are always together. But and celebrating the last like your Monday night, huge accomplishment. Monday night November. No, you're celebrating your accomplishment. You're not celebrating your accomplishment. You're like if you were celebrating on the anniversary of you winning the Super Bowl, that is celebrating your accomplishment. You celebrate other teams' defeat. Okay. Fifty years after the fact, you celebrate. A team that you never played with players you've never played against losing, which makes you a jackass. That's my point. I see it as you being prideful of your accomplishment. Yes, be prideful of your accomplishment. Listen, I played on a team, and this is like we're probably at an hour and a half, an hour and a half at this point. (laughs) I I played on a baseball team that put together back to backs, two of of the greatest back to back seasons. Western New York baseball has ever seen over two seasons. We went something ridiculous, like 55 and two or sorry, 55 and three or 55 and four. It was with two league championships. Two of those four losses came in the championship series. One, we lost game one in the first season and game two in the second season. So two of those four losses, we had two one-loss seasons in 20-plus game seasons in baseball, which is damn near impossible. We get together and we hang out and we celebrate. We'll, we'll do Team New Era reunion nights. You know what we don't do? Celebrate every time a team gets more than one loss in a season in that league. Because that, like, it's not that, like we don't play in the league anymore. Like, when our team isn't in that league. I still play in that league, but I don't celebrate when, when like, Oh, look, another team has two losses. Ah, they suck. Like, I think, no, I think we get together, we celebrate the the good times and we have fun. I think if that's what they did, I honestly believe I think it's because it's only because it's it's not. It's not. Listen, the Bills could do this. I would think it was just as stupid. It is a huge accomplishment. I I guess that is not the argument. I'm not arguing that it's not a huge accomplishment. When you have a huge accomplishment, and it's going to stay that way. And it's most likely like we both agree that it's going to be an unbeatable record to be the only perfect, like just perfect team ever in NFL history. 
that is that is huge. That is really, really huge. And why not say, oh my goodness, we got another year of this. We got another year. We got one more year. We got one more year. Because you're in a category all by yourself. Because there's yeah. tons of there is tons of records. And there are certain people that are in those categories all by themselves. But those are individuals. This is a team team record individually. Or like a team record that not an individual record. Like six touchdowns in a game. That's happened before. Gail Sayers, Ernie Nevers. It, it, those things have happened. But to be perfect, and I think the other thing that pushes this way with the Dolphins is how shitty they were before Shula got there. And considering the year before they lost in the Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden you come back and your team is perfect and you got a run down backup quarterback that's got to come through and play games. And then all of a sudden you have your starter too. That's huge. How many, how many teams do you know that could survive right now with, with a backup? Hypothetically, I know you don't want to talk about it, but the most recent thing was the big Josh Allen controversy. Even if the bills would have been undefeated, do you think they could have been undefeated with Case Keenum? I mean, we're talking about a guy who won eleven and three with the Vikings. It's not a. It's not uncanny. It's it, not uncanny. But a, do you think that they could have done that, or do you think a thirty-eight-year-old quarterback that nobody really wanted and his biggest claim to fame was uh, Super Bowl three, where he probably shouldn't have been starting? This guy's 38 years old, not very good in the, uh, not what he used to be. Now all of a sudden he's got to start games and you have to deal with that. I think it's a big, I think it's a big deal. No matter where you look at it, this Dolphins 72 and 0 team, and we can agree to disagree. Like you said, we're going way over time. So <laughs> and listen, I, I, I will stand firm on the point that I never said it wasn't a big deal. No, I, I know that I'm just saying, but because of the big deal, that's why I don't see the problem with it. But like I said, this is going to be an Andrew and Jaws agree to disagree moment. It's going to have to be. We, we have to. <laughs> we're, we're way out of time. We, we would keep going with this for another hour. If you, if and us. my best team. I, I, just, I, just got a, I just got a message from Matt. He said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> my best team in the NFC, which I didn't even really answer, is the Eagles. But that is it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Jaws and I completely going off script there. And on behalf of the Wizard of Jaws, I'm Andrew Lenz for the Two Point Conversation. And the Two Point Conversation is good. Yeah, spot. Look at the end.